The views and opinions expressed within this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of the staff, management, advertising partners, or ownership of Forever Communications. It's time for the Tri-State Sports Podcast, presented by Tyson Foods of Obion County and the Hawks Nest. Now, here are your hosts, John Thornton and Jordan Taylor. And welcome in. It is the Tri-State Sports Program, presented by the Hawks Nest and Tyson Foods in Obion County, all across our Facebook network of Sports 731, including the Froggy 99.3 Facebook page, the WENK WTPR Facebook page, the Union City Sports on Froggy 99.3 Facebook page, and, of course, the Home Sports 731 Facebook page. We'll have this posted for you later on RadioNWTN.com. Uh, probably not today, but uh, sometime by the end of the week. Uh, the WENK playback we'll still have on schedule for Thursday night as well. It's me, John Thornton, and Jordan Taylor. We are both confined to our homes as the uh, winter weather that has uh, just crashed across the southeast has uh, – Snowed us in, as you could uh, tell. We are not in our normal uh, recording studios in Jackson and or Union City. And uh, we are hoping that the, the Wi-Fi will hold up, Jordan. But uh, <laughs> it's been uh, an interesting week for all of us across uh, West Tennessee. And here we are uh, having to record from the home base today. Yes, uh, certainly so. You know, the winter weather is uh, kind of taking over the last couple of days. I know right before it all came, there was a few people that, kind of optimistic about it a few people that said maybe wouldn't get anything so um you know it's, it's interesting to see what what you end up getting uh, a lot of times around here as we know john with the weather you, you never can tell what's going to happen what's not going to happen so uh definitely got a pretty good amount of snow i know like you said the further south you go the more you got in west tennessee and that's definitely messed some stuff up this week definitely messed up some local high school basketball as well yes uh, plenty of uh, local teams, and I would imagine pretty much everybody has had to uh, reschedule, cancel, postpone, uh, whatever that looks like, uh, because some of these are district games, so you got to get them in if you can. Um, so it's weird scheduling will be affected down the stretch of the high school basketball season. Uh, we'll get into some of Michael Odom's rankings here in just a bit. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter or X at John underscore MT18. You can follow Jordan at JT underscore 1823. You can follow the Froggy handle at NWTN underscore Froggy. You can follow the Sports 731 handle at, at Sports 731 Net. You can text us on the text line at 731-885-9999. It has been a whirlwind of a week despite the uh, weather that has affected us here in West Tennessee. The national scene in particular has not slowed down, but so we're going to split Headlines this week into local and national. Then, of course, we'll get into the NFL playoff picture as Super Wildcard Weekend concluded yesterday. And then we'll wrap things up with the stock market at the end of the show. Taking a look at the West Tennessee basketball rankings brought to you by Michael Odom here. Uh, The top 15 look like this at 15. He's got O'Brien County followed by Camden, Dyersburg, Middleton, USJ, Jackson Christian, Jackson Northside, TCA, Chester County, Bolivar, Munford, Union City, Haywood, Dyer County, and Fayette Ware as his number one boys team in West Tennessee. Jordan, what do you make of this list? And uh, anybody, any shuffling or uh, any missing pieces you see uh, from this top 15 here? I think the one thing I, I take away from it, um, you know, this year especially, it's really hard to, to – I, I credit him for trying to rank these teams. There's a lot of teams um, that are about the same to me. Uh, you know, usually it seems like the last few years we've had two or three that have kind of taken that top two or three range, and, and there's no question. But 
I think at least on the boys' side, there's going to be a lot of teams shuffle in and out of maybe the top five or so, maybe down to the top nine to ten or nine to twelve range. Um, I think you're going to see a lot of shuffling between these teams down the stretches. Like I mentioned last week, there's some really competitive basketball going on on the boys' and girls' side, but I think a little bit more on the boys' side here in West Tennessee. Well, and that was the fascinating thing when I went to pull them up uh, today. Uh, the top five, totally the same. Uh, no no shuffling there. I didn't really kind of check to see how much shuffling had been done uh, throughout the rest of the rankings, but, uh, you know, several teams that I've gotten a chance to see. I know you've seen several of these teams. Jackson Christian, certainly very talented. TCA is very talented. Uh, Dyer County is very, very good. Um, and so uh, certainly teams that belong on this list. And I know, Jordan, if you want to speak on, you've seen Chester County, you see Jackson Northside, you've seen several of these teams in here as well. What kind of sticks out to you about those teams? Well, you know, Chester County um, on the boys' side, making a state tournament push last year, uh, returning just about everybody. They play uh, seven to eight guys, six, uh, or six to seven guys, I believe, five or six of them are seniors. Um, starting lineup was four seniors and two and a junior the other night um, when they played Southside the game we had Friday. But they're they're very talented. Coach McPherson's done a heck of a job uh, getting them back uh, in shape to make another postseason run. Uh, had a big lead the other night against Southside. I think it was nearly 18 or 19 points in the third. Ended up only winning by three. Um, but it was um, – it was a heck of a game, and there's a lot of talent on that Chester County team. I think the one thing, John, uh, they, they probably don't go as deep as they'd like to. Uh, they have to rely heavy on those seniors. They're a senior-heavy team. Um, so maybe maybe some more production off the bench will be something you could watch for Chester County to improve on down the stretch. Northside, I mean, there is talent all over the floor. Um, I think the biggest thing for Northside is that they're led by a sophomore who's the coach's son in Lincoln Woods. Uh, he's a heck of a player, he, and honestly, he's not Malachi Brooks, but he's very close. He's very talented, uh, can score at will, uh, and, and I know that obviously you get to see Malachi firsthand, but there's been there's been some great guard play I've been able to see as well, and uh, like I said, Lincoln Woods reminds me of a young uh, Malachi Brooks from Union City, and Northside is really led by him. Yeah, Malachi Brooks, uh, obviously the engine that's making Union City go 3-0 in the district right now and 15-5. Uh, and five trying to continue and, and uh, looking for a sweep uh, if they can. Uh, I mean, they're, they're rolling right now, and there's still some things Coach Cisco wants to see improved. Uh, a lackluster effort against South Fulton to kind of start district play, but uh, dominant wins since then over Dresden and Lake County. Uh, flipping gears to the girls' side, this is the top 15 according to Michael Odom. Dresden at 15, followed by Scotts Hill, Middleton, Dyer County, Jackson Christian, Crockett County, Jackson Southside, South Gibson, USJ, Westview at six, Peabody five, Chester County, Huntington, Gibson County, and Dyersburg. And, Jordan, I think kind of a, the biggest eyebrow raiser of the week last week, the one that when I was kind of scrolling through scores, uh, Gibson County absolutely throttling Westview in the first meeting between those two in district play was quite a uh, quite a shocker. Um, I think yeah. the final was like 63 to 34 or 60 to 34, somewhere in that range. It was just very, very surprising because, you know, we've seen those two programs have such great battles over the years, and to see Gibson County win so handily, um, very shocking. Uh, and you have to think Coach Haskins and, and Westview, uh, plenty to kind of uh, brood on and, and gear up for that second meeting, which which could be really interesting. 
Yeah, those two teams have played a, a ton of instant classics. You know, we've seen a lot of really good basketball uh, between both of those schools, very well known as schools for uh, girls basketball. Uh, made a lot of state tournament runs, state championships. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you expect that to be a five, ten-point game at most every time they match up. But obviously it was a, a massive win um, for the Lady Pioneers to be able to do what they did against a team that's got the, uh, the repetition that, that Westview has. Um Looking at the rest of this list, you know, Chester County being at four, I, I was talking about the game we had Friday night. Probably the best doubleheader I've ever been a part of. The girls' game was a one-point game. boys' game was a three-point game. Um, and, you know, Chester County girls have everything you need to make a run. Um, beat a really good Southside team, the Southside team that defends you the, the whole length of the court, as a lot of people know, that, that follow that program. Um and their 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 uh, point guard Williamson just put the team on her back, and down the stretch was a special player. Um, again, had a lead similar to the boys, and and let Southside back into it. Was able to finish it off. Actually, got she got fouled on a three point attempt with like three three four seconds to go. So and stepped up to the line and knocked a couple down to to win the game. But um, I think Coach Lee Pickin and what she's been able to do at Chester County so consistent, John. I mean. You think about the last 10 years, they've had years where they haven't been as good, but they're always in the mix. And, you know, Chester and Southside have had so many battles in that district on the girls' side, obviously not being in the same district the last couple of years. Uh, but what they've been able what they've been able to do, uh, both teams, over the course of the last five or six years is really incredible uh, under Coach Brent McNeil and, and Lee Pipkin at Chester. I'll tell you, you know, Dresden was a team a lot of people kind of thought would take a step back. I got a chance to see them firsthand last week as well. Um very impressed with what Jonathan West has going on over there. They, they had lost Lucy Curry, who was kind of their, you know, their Malachi Brooks, if you will, uh, the kind of the engine that made things go. And But they've got a great little one-two punch going on right now with Paisley Pittman, who's got over 1,000 points for Dresden, and then Allie Spaulding, uh, knockdown shooter for that team. Um, and this district, you know, Jordan, uh, we talked about it with, with, you know, the Gleasons, the Greenfields, the Dresdens, the Union Cities, all teams that have made – uh, big-time runs before and have a lot of program tradition uh, behind them. I mean, every night I feel like I'm looking up in South Fulton. Obviously, South Fulton's having a great year. You know, it, it feels like every night somebody's beating someone different, and it just it's flipping back and forth, back and forth. And uh, this district is uh, is something to watch up this way. Yeah, it definitely is. And I think, you know, you think about uh, smaller classifications, a lot of people Im- immediately want to go through, uh, go to, you know, that it may be an easier road to get to the glass house. But I think if you're able to to work through these tough districts and regions that some of these teams in Northwest Tennessee have to go through, you've got a heck of a chance if you get through it and, and make it to the state tournament, um, because this is some of the best teams in the state and the Northwest Tennessee region. Yeah, no doubt there. Uh, in UT Martin basketball, the men currently sit 10-8, and 3-2 and two in conference play. They get a nice bounce-back win over Little Rock after back-to-back losses. The women sit 6-10, and 3-2 and two in conference. They now have lost two of their last three. Wednesday was quite the day in West Tennessee High School football's coaching carousel. Uh, Jared Neal resigning from Westview, and I guess moving on to look for other ventures. Uh, West Carroll defensive coordinator Adam Dolan has been named the head coach after the departure of Clayton Morris, who is now at O'Brien Central. Humboldt hiring Bolivar head coach Hayden Williams to be their new head man. And McNary Central head coach Wes Johnson walking away from his alma mater. He resigns, uh, I presume, I guess, also to pursue 
uh, other ventures. But, uh, you know, Jordan, we kept kind of going back and forth Wednesday just in amazement because obviously there was a lot of national stuff that went down. But just on this front alone, uh, a very eventful day uh, last week. Yeah, I actually had the opportunity to uh, talk with Coach Johnson um, on Friday, I believe, Friday morning. Um, called and, and spoke with him about that decision. Um, just, I think, uh, just felt like his time there had, had come to an end, had done the best he could at his alma mater. And that's one thing I did mention or ask him, John, and they talked a lot about how hard is it to step away from your alma mater? You come back to take over that program, uh, very familiar with that area. Both he and his wife's families both live there. Um, so definitely tough for him to, uh, to step away. But I, I think he, he feels like the program's in better hands. Uh, under somebody else's leadership. And, of course, I did ask him if he wanted to continue to coach, uh, and he did say yes. So I think you're right saying that he is going to look for new ventures, and we'll see uh, what happens with that. I'll tell you one that that I don't know that it shocks me, but uh, the fact that uh, Hayden Williams, you know, leaving Bolivar to go to Humboldt, um, you know, two similar programs, both yeah. kind of in rebuild mode. And I thought he had a really th- good thing going at, at, at Bolivar. Uh, he was kind of you know, had the athletes, had everything he needed there. Uh, I think he's originally from Jackson. I think he went to Northside, so maybe that this gets him a little bit closer to home. Um, yeah. But it, it's definitely going to be a uh, a ground up type of thing for for Hayden Williams. I mean, he's got to build this thing up. Humboldt's numbers have been down. The athletes are always there, uh, but there was a time, John, where, where Humboldt was really, really good on, on the football field. Yeah, and uh, it's kind of one thing he alluded to. You know, Humboldt kind of put out a little press video announcing him and even called it a sleeping giant. And uh, yeah. there's one thing Humboldt's never short on is athletes. It's just a matter of can they all kind of come together and uh, form a cohesive group. You know, Jared Neal leaving Westview, you know, that's a big uh, that's big deal up, up this way. Um, a guy who brought that school his first football state championship, obviously a well-known quarterback at, uh, at UT Martin, just, you know, down the road. Um, going to be weird for that Westview program because I, I think I read in the uh, the, the Weekly County Press article, for, this will be the fourth head coach in the last six years uh, for Westview when, whenever they do hire Jared Neal's replacement. And, uh, well, they've had a lot of success, you know, between Jared Neal and Matt McConnell over the last, uh, you know, five, six years. You know, at some point you need someone in there who can kind of stabilize some things and, and you want yeah. some stability. So uh, the Westview coaching search is on and, you know, that's the one thing I kind of hate for a couple of these programs, you know, Bolivar, Westview, and now uh, McNary that are searching for new coaches. It's kind of already – you're kind of late into this process with, with the offseason running and you're trying to gear up for spring spring ball. And um, it's just going to be a tough tough time for those programs to, to go find their new guy. What are the uh, what are the rumblings there in Weekly County about the next guy? Have you heard anything? Uh, not too much. I think everybody's kind of in wait-and-see mode right now. Um I don't really know. I haven't heard much that, uh, that you know, they, nobody really knows anything for sure. Um, nobody really can, can pinpoint anything. I think the, uh, it's all kind of in, in, in the early stages right now, and, uh, and, and we'll see where it, you know, we'll see where it leads. Yeah. Def, like you said, you definitely want to try to get some guys in place pretty soon. I mean, it's mid-January. You've got, you know, spring practice will be here before we know it, and, Obviously, John, you and I both know, uh, being through going through some programs, that you know, the winter is a very important time uh, to get you ready for the, what happens in the fall. So, um, you know, we'll see where these these programs decide to go. No doubt there. Uh, moving on to some Tennessee sports, the men's basketball team went one and one last week. They took a loss on the road at Mississippi State. 
then bounced back on a, a Saturday. They took down Georgia behind a huge Dalton Connects performance. And then in a bit of news, if you uh, haven't heard yet, uh, the game tonight against Florida has been moved up uh, in its tip-off time. I think they're tipping off at about 4 o'clock Central time uh, due to the weather over in uh, East Tennessee that is affecting most of Tennessee at this point. Uh, last week, we broke the news and, and didn't really have a ton of reaction because we just didn't know much. But uh, more has come out as the Titans, of course, shockingly fired Mike Vrabel uh, this time last week. You know, the more you read on this, the more it was kind of some conflict between ownership and management. Vrabel wanted more power. He didn't like Carthon as the choice for GM. Um, some differences over analytics. Andy Adam Strunk wasn't happy that he went to New England for that Hall of Fame induction. There's just so much that's kind of come out about all this. So, Jordan, now that you've kind of had a week to kind of sit on that and stew on it, what uh, what kind of sticks out to you about the Titans moving on from Mike Vrabel? You know, there's a lot of, a lot of legs to this thing, as I like to say. There was a lot of aspects that played into this. Um, you know, he's, he's a guy that was a good head coach. I mean, I'm not going to say he wasn't. I think this was more a situation, like you said, where he wanted to be the guy, uh, the decision maker. But, you know, you kind of saw that the whole time he was there. Um, you know, there was times where, you know, ownership was kind of hesitant about letting Vrabel have more power. Um, you know, it, it was tough for me at first to to take it in and go, oh, man, we're losing a guy that actually gave us some hope at times, took it, you know, to playoff runs, you know, and, I thought he did good coaching jobs at times. And obviously the roster is not in a good spot uh, right now for any coach to come in and take it over. Um, but, you know, obviously a lot of cat space and things that they're going to have to decide in the offseason after hiring a new guy. Um, it was tough for me to, to take it in and they really realize what they're doing. But, again, like you said, he went to New England, uh, had a big heyday there, and, you know, saying we, you know, talking about the Patriots. I'm like, yeah, it's probably not the best idea. I mean, I think everybody probably thought he was a shoe in for the next Patriots head coach. That didn't happen. Um, so I, I do think Brabel will get a job somewhere else. Um, you know, I read where, you know, she came into the room and gave him a few options for him to stay. and He didn't like any of them. So she said, all right, see you. So I don't know. Maybe this is just best for the breakup to go ahead and happen now and us not have to sit through another year of uh, Brabel looking at the ground like he don't know what's going on on the sideline with his hands on his knees. Because um, he always just looks lost to me on the sideline. I mean, there, there's no way, nowhere else to put that. So. He definitely – he has that uh, – there's always that look when they show him on the sideline. His arms are crossed and the mouth – you know, he's got the – you know, that little look. Yeah. And you're just like, what is going through this guy's brain right now? Like, what 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 are, what is he thinking? Um but yeah, new um, uh, moving on from Mike Vrabel. Jordan, who are you kind of wanting to? Who are you wanting to see the Titans go after uh, to replace him? This is going to sound really bad, and maybe it's just because I really want the best for my team moving forward. But um, the names I've seen out there, I mean, I'm not crazy about any of them. I think there's a lot of a lot of people that are saying that we should go offense because that's kind of what you know teams are going to that are the most successful. Um, some people still believe in the old traditional defensive-minded head coach. I don't think because they, they put reports out about this that they don't – they're not really, you know, basing it off. If he's an offense or defensive guy, they're still just kind of trying to look for the best guy out there. There's some really good coordinators. Uh, I mean, look at – one guy you think about is, is you look at Houston's offense this year. 
And the turnaround with what C.J. Stroud's been able to do as a rookie quarterback, um, you know, Slovak may be a guy that, that you might go and, and target. Um, but there, there's other options out there, um, you know, and I, I know which direction they'll go. I, I feel like they're probably going to go offense, but, I mean, we'll just kind of wait and see. It's a waiting game. Yep. We will see how it unfolds. I kind of think offense would be your best bet if, if Will Levis is the guy uh, you're going to build on. Uh, moving to the Grizzlies, who news, you know, it just went from bad to worse uh, last week. Uh, the injuries continue to mount. Desmond Bain sprained his ankle. Marcus Smart uh, dislocated his finger. Out six weeks, uh, both of them are the uh, are gone for six weeks. And so the lottery uh, beckons for the Grizzlies. That's uh, – <laughs> I don't even know where to begin with this anymore. They dressed eight guys and lost to the Knicks on Saturday. Uh, I mean, it was cool. They gave Vince Williams uh, a full-time deal. He ha- He's impressed on his two-way deal. They did get a nice win yesterday on MLK Day. Cool to see Gigi Jackson have a big reaction to hearing from Shaq. But, uh, I mean, at this point, we're, we're limping to the finish line, and the finish line is months away. Um, and uh, so we're just, you know, in, in Grizz Nation, I'm just I'm wet ready for the, the lottery balls to just uh, start bouncing. Um, All right, what about what about G.G. Jackson's uh, um, reaction to Shaq asking him a question last night? I loved it. I thought that was that great. Was fun. That was great. That was great. Yeah. I mean, he, he you know, he's been playing the last two games. He's played well for y'all. Yes. I mean, he's young, and he's going to have to play now because <laughs> you just keep they, – they drop like flies. I mean, it just – it's gone uh, – it's gone from bad to worse. And so, I, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I really don't. But uh, – We'll see if the Grizzlies can at least maybe make a run at the play-in. I think that's kind of the ceiling at, at this rate. But uh, for now, let's take a break. We'll come back. We'll get into some of the national headlines. Coaching news galore to get into. More after this on the Tri-State Sports Program, brought to you by Tyson Foods in Abayne County and the Hawks Nest. If you're looking for a place to sit back, relax, and have some fun, check out the Hawks Nest in Martin. Each week, they have weekly specials, including $2 tacos on Tuesday, both beef and chicken. Also on Wednesday, check out the best wings in Weekly County with 50-cent wings at the Hawks Nest. Thursday, karaoke and also deals on pizza and many other food items. Also on Friday and Saturday night, be sure to check out live music, DJs, karaoke, and more. And don't forget, folks, they're open on Sunday, so be sure to stop by and support your favorite teams as all the games will be on the tune at the Hawks Nest. 105 Church Street in Martin. Segment two on the Tri-State Sports Program presented by the Hawks Nest and Jerry Ward. Or, I'm doing it again, Jordan. The Hawks <laughs> Nest and Tyson Foods in Obion County. It's going to take some getting used to, okay? You're just going to have to bear with me. It, it, it's, it, rolled, it rolled off the tongue. For two hey, it's years. just an opportunity to thank Jerry for, for sponsoring it for two years, man. You yes, yes. got to live with that. Thank you. Thank you to Jerry. All right. Uh, we now have seven, formerly eight, NFL coaching vacancies, as one of those has already been filled. Bill Belichick and the Patriots part, parted ways Thursday morning, and quickly, without really uh, I mean, maybe a day in between, the Patriots replaced him with Gerard Mayo. So the former Vol former Patriots first-round pick and former linebackers coach in New England, uh, takes over for Bill Belichick in New England, able to fill their opening relatively quickly. We do have some interviews uh, that have happened. Jim Harbaugh interviewing with the Chargers. Bill Belichick interviewed with the Falcons. Uh, one Another job that came open unexpectedly, the Seahawks. Pete Carroll was moved into an advisory role. Pete Carroll out as the head coach. 
Um, but he is not opposed to coaching again. So, Jordan, you look at the Chargers, the Raiders, the Seahawks, the Titans, the Panthers, the Commanders, and the Falcons. What are your impressions of those jobs and kind of some names you think might be uh, well thought of for those jobs? I think um, the Chargers fans are going to disown the franchise if they don't hire Jim Harbaugh the way they're acting. Uh, that's yes. like the only choice that they have right now. They're wanting them to open the checkbook and bring him in. I think the Chargers have a lot of pieces in place, as we talked about, John, in the past that, they could be really good. Um, I just, you know, I'm, I don't know what it's been. I mean, it's been some of it's been coaching, obviously, but, um, you know, I think some of it's just bad luck, too. I mean, you think about, um, you know, some of the, the games that they've had that they've let people come back and beat them after having big leads. And it just feels like it's it's been off uh, lately for, for the L.A. Chargers. So if they do hire Jim Harbaugh, maybe they can uh, make a push and, and flip things around and maybe make a deep playoff run in the future. I think the Seahawks job, like I said, I just wasn't expecting that one or the Titans to, to come open. Um, so I think both of those jobs, you know, look at first with the Seattle, I think there's some some good things there that you can build off of. Um, same thing with a little bit with the Titans. But if you look at the, the Panthers, Commanders, and and I don't know, maybe even throw in the Raiders, um, not a lot of great things. I think the Commanders and Panthers are on a different level of rebuild than the Raiders are. Um, but then you look at Atlanta. I mean, you plug Bill Belichick in at Atlanta, and they probably can start winning pretty regularly. I mean, they have a lot of talent offensively. So it's going to be interesting to see what, what happens down the stretch. I do think some of these jobs are good jobs, and a lot of times you don't see that. A lot of times you see teams in bad shape that are having to fire their head coach. But I think some of these teams are already ready to win now with the right guy. You mentioned Jim Harbaugh's name keeps getting thrown out there. Bill Belichick's is out there, obviously. Um you mentioned there earlier about the Titans looking at Houston's offensive coordinator. Another name that's been hot is Detroit's offensive coordinator, Ben Johnson. Uh, no, not the South Gibson head coach, the uh, the offensive coordinator for the Lions by the same name. He's been obviously yeah. getting a lot of steam. Um, and so I, that's honestly, I, I you know, a commander's fan, I know a commander's fan here in Martin really, really well. He is begging for them to go get Ben Johnson. He was um, ecstatic this week when they hired the 49ers assistant GM Adam Peters is their new GM. Um, he's actually very optimistic about this rebuild process right now with new ownership. So uh, we'll see what the commanders can do. Um, with the with the top, obviously we mentioned Mike Vrabel moving on. Really haven't heard a lot of him connected to a lot of these jobs. And a lot of people thought Vrabel would be a hot commodity, um, but obviously passed on in New England. Do you kind of see a, a spot in any of these jobs for Vrabel where he could fit uh, if a team wants him? I don't think Atlanta hires him because they gave Arthur Smith <laughs> a chance out of Tennessee, too. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't think Vegas makes sense. Uh, L.A. doesn't really make, make sense to me either. I could see him maybe fitting in Seattle. Um, maybe, yeah. But other than that, I, mean, I, don't, I don't really see uh, another, another fit for Brable right now. Maybe he goes down to being a D.C. or a position coach. I don't know. Maybe, maybe he gets out of football. Maybe he goes into the front office somewhere. Yeah. Who knows at this point? I mean, there, there's a – I do think there's a fit for him somewhere, that's what you're asking. He wants more power. Uh, front office would be the uh, – There you go, brother. The way to go. Uh, then you get to make a lot more decisions than you than you do as head coach. But uh, I, I don't know. Uh, Mark Andrews was back to practice last week for the Ravens and has been designated to return from IR. Perhaps he could be playing this weekend in the divisional round. That would be a big boost. Uh, for Baltimore, Max Crosby apparently has stated he would request a trade if the Raiders don't name Antonio Pierce the 
full-time head coach. So uh, that that's a developing story. Caleb Williams officially declared for the NFL draft, uh, uh, I guess, last, no- last night, excuse me. And uh, Jason Kelsey officially announced his retirement this morning after the Eagles lost last night at the age of 36. Played all 12 seasons in Philly, won the Super Bowl, and with Super Bowl 52, six-time All-Pro, seven-time Pro Bowler. So any thoughts on those little nuggets there, Jordan? Yeah, I mean, if you're watching the game last night, you know, after the final play, watching Jason Kelsey, you know, and his reaction as soon as the clocks were hitting zero and you could see the, the emotion on his face, pretty much knew that that was it. I mean, he had hinted at it for the last couple of off-seasons. Um Hated to see him go out like that. I mean, you want to, and I know we'll get to this. I'm not going to talk too much about it, but you want to talk about a complete collapse from his Gosh. team down the stretch. Man, Beautiful. I, I don't know if I've seen anything like that. Um, but anyway, what a career for Jason Kelsey. Obviously, um, got a lot of uh, positive things in front of him um, on a much bigger scale than what we're doing here. He's got a podcast that's got a, a lot of traction and uh, a big following. I think he'll be fine there. And I honestly could see him. I mean, there was games he was up in the booth. Um, this season when he was off that I think he could I think he could make a living broadcasting as well, especially having the knowledge of the way the game works uh, on the line of scrimmage brings a different aspect to the game than, you know, a lot of these color analysts who talk about the receivers and the quarterback and the running back. I think he's a guy that can help you uh, really break down uh, the line of scrimmage. Yeah, I think he that would be a good role for him. He's well-spoken. Obviously, he's very a very public uh, figure. Uh, in the NBA, some news that came out. Eric Spolstra given an eight-year, $120 million contract extension, the most guaranteed money to a coach in NBA history. And Miami gives it to him just days after his divorce was finalized. That's interesting on the timing. Uh, Draymond <laughs> Green comes out and says, I've cost my team enough. I've cost this organization enough. Perhaps he's finally going to, to fix himself. Uh, who knows? We'll, we'll, I guess we'll, we'll see. Uh, the Clippers signed Kawhi Leonard to a three-year, $153 million extension. And Netflix has announced an NBA documentary similar to Quarterback that is going to feature LeBron James, Jason Tatum, Jimmy Butler, Anthony Edwards, and DeMontis Sabonis. So thoughts on some of those things going on in the NBA? Yeah, I, I just think that's not probably going to be the hottest thing to watch. Um, I mean, we've we've kind of gotten some footage at times in, in NBA locker rooms where people have leaked some audio and stuff. So I feel like the, the whole show is going to be a lot of bleeping and cutting things out that aren't supposed to be said. Um, I don't know. Looking at this, I mean, Eric Spolster, is there anybody that's been more consistent with a, with a team? I mean, they're always in the mix. I'm not saying they're always, you know, conference – you know, finals or whatever, but they're always at least have an opportunity to get in the playoffs or they're in the playoffs. So uh, I think it's, it's well earned. And like I said, the timing's a little bit off there as well. He is, uh, he's like the Mike Tomlin of, of the NBA. That, like, that would be correct. I, I, I read he don't, he only has, he's only had two losing seasons in Miami. I mean, that, that's just a tremendous, I mean, tremendous run. And so, I mean, well-deserved of that big contract. Um, Obviously, the, the timing, a little um, sketchy, funny, interesting, whatever you want to call it. But, uh, but yeah, well-deserved well for Eric Spolstra to, to get that big money deal. Nothing at all happened in college football, uh, not. Uh, the news breaks Wednesday afternoon. Nick Saban retiring from Alabama at the age of 72. We'll park it right here before we get into the rest of all this. 
Um, you know, there was a great interview that came out with Reese Davis. I haven't had a chance to watch the whole thing. Jordan, I know you said you did. So if you have any other impressions, uh, we'll get those here in just a second. You know, he kind of said that 2023 season really took it out of him. His decision was still kind of in limbo going into Wednesday. He still wants to be around the program, but uh, he said, you know, the age, his age kind of was becoming an issue because all these kids wanted assurances that he was still going to be around. And he's saying, I don't know how many more assurances I can give you because it's becoming harder and harder for me to commit to, you know, another year, another three years, another five years. And so, you know, a lot of factors played into this. And, you know, you even kind of had the hint just with the way he was going about some of the business. We saw a happier Nick Saban this year than we have seen in a long time. You know, typically Saban's in the grouchy mood and in the rat poison, but he, you know, he talked all year about how he loved coaching this team. He loved that team. He, he thought they were one of the best teams he's ever coached. Uh, you know, the, the the victory laps after some of the big wins this year, there were kind of signs on the wall that this was coming. But even the, the, the comment he made that he's on the phone with Miss Terry five minutes before that meeting saying, I'm still not sure if we're going to do this or not, pretty interesting um, and so what did you make? Obviously you watched that Reese Davis interview. Uh, what, what else kind of stuck out to you about, about the end of Nick Saban and I'm down of a goat, you know, the greatest college football coach of all time, seven national championships. Um, going to be hard for that to ever be replicated by anybody. Yeah. I don't think it will be able to be just based off the fact of, you know, how hard it is now in college football to be consistent and, you know, the parity across the sport, I don't think anybody will be able to touch that uh, on a grand scheme of things. I know Kirby has a couple already. I, st- <clears throat> I still don't see a coach being able to win that many um, with how college football is set up right now. Definitely, it's, it's shocking just because you feel like he's the type of guy that's going to coach till he goes. You know, it's like, yeah. hey, this guy's going to coach till the end of his life. I mean, that's just what it felt like. Um but as you said this year, I mean, you tell that things were a little bit different. I think this is one of his better coaching jobs, uh, just based off the fact of this team not being super talented compared to some of the other teams. If you match them up against some of the other teams he's coached, um, I mean, they looked awful early in the season, able to turn around and get to the college football semifinals with an opportunity there at the end to possibly get the national championship. And who knows what happens in the national championship if they get there. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's – like I said, it, it was wild to take in. It just felt like the end of an era. And then the next morning, you know, the Belichick stuff comes out, Pete Carroll. I mean, it's like, dude, I mean, this is like the end of an era for my childhood right here. Like, this, all I've ever known watching football is Nick Saban uh, with Alabama and Bill Belichick with the Patriots and even Pete Carroll with the Seahawks. So it's definitely crazy. Um, but I think that, you know, Alabama's still got a lot of great resources, a lot of, uh, a lot of pieces there to continue to be successful. I think they made a decent hire. Um, but watching the interview with Saban, you know, the, the biggest thing, like you said, not knowing until five minutes before. Um, and then I think, you know, like you said in the interview, uh, I didn't ever want this to get to a year to year basis of where I had to go. OK, at the end of every year, am I going to do another year? Am I, am I not going to do another year? And he said, as soon as I saw it get to a year to year basis, I, you know, I spoke with Miss Terry, as he said, and I just felt like it was time to step away because you don't want you don't want to be in that position every offseason. Am I going to coach next year? I mean, that's just a tough spot to be in, especially when you're trying to recruit in today's age. But, uh, John, you can't tell me that the way college ball set up now with NIL and the portal, that that didn't have a little bit to do with it because oh, that's, yeah. not, that's not Nick Saban, as we know. Well, and it's like we've talked about with the, the way the college football 
calendar right now is set up, you know, I mean, you get to the end, you get to December, and it is just, I mean, it is maddening. I can't imagine. I mean, if you're a coach in Nick Saban's position, you're going to have teams that are competing for the playoff, that are going to a bowl game, and at the same time, you're trying to get your transfer portal class sorted. You're trying to finalize your national signing day class. Um, You know, you're juggling all these things while you're actively trying to prepare your team, your current team, to win a game, you know, in the postseason. So I can't imagine. I'm sure that had something to do with it because it is just getting outrageous with with, with all this calendar stuff. But uh, obviously the end of an era for sure, like you said, Pete Carroll, you know, being kind of moved down, I guess you could say, a peg in Seattle earlier in the day. And then Wednesday, the news breaks that Saban's going to step down. And then, obviously, it breaks early the next morning. Bill Belichick's out in, in New England. Now, Belichick and Carroll kind of both saying they still want to coach. Uh, Saban, it kind of seems like, just kind of wants to have his office in Bryant-Denny Stadium and, and relax. Now, uh, moving into to the hire, we we were told kind of right after that Alabama was going to have a guy within 72 hours. And uh, they beat that time, and they had a guy in place by, by Friday afternoon. Um this coaching search, Jordan, I am convinced, had smokescreen after smokescreen, and the man behind the curtain was Jimmy Sexton. Um, that That is my read on this. You know, we saw all these names with Mike Mike Norvell and Steve Sarkeesian and Dan Lanning, and then Kalen DeBoer's name emerges. I, I kind of am of the opinion, just reading the tea leaves here, look, Jimmy Sexton is all of these guys' agent. Literally, all, all four of the names we just mentioned, he's their agent. I think this was a ploy to get – Landing Norvell, Sark, get them all raises and extensions. I don't really think they ever wanted the job. It kind of seems like the board kind of seemed to be the guy from the jump. And uh, what a resume he's got. Uh, he I mean, he said Saban's still going to have 100% access. There's no doubt the board wins. Um, the question becomes for him, Jordan, will be can he recruit You know, at the, in the southeast? Can he get some guys on his staff that can help him uh, build the relationships with high school coaches because – you know, it's kind of come out now since Saban stepped down. The NIL at Alabama is not quite what it is in other places, Oregon, Texas, you know, some of these places that have really built it up. Saban was kind of the glue that held it together. So Ken DeBoer kind of whipped that into shape and uh, helped Alabama kind of take a step uh, forward into the future with their recruiting. Yeah, it's going to be a big factor. I think he kept some pieces on his staff and went out and got some good coaches as well that, that will help him recruit. Uh, there's there's one fact about DeBoer, and that's that he's a winner. He's won everywhere he's been, hasn't coached in the SEC, which is <clears throat> obviously going to be a big change. Um, but I think he'll be fine. I, I don't think they're going to come out and win 11, 12 games every year, and you know. But I, I do think they'll win nine or ten next year, um, at least, and you know, probably probably ten. I mean, the way get a bowl game as well. So um, I can see him in the mix with, with you know, the college football playoff being twelve teams. That's going to give a lot of teams a lot of opportunities, even. If, a couple still got a chance to get in there um but i thought the funniest part to me john you kind of talked about a little bit there is um all these coaches having to put out practically hype videos that they're staying with their teams only nick saban retiring could do that i mean you got these teams like oregon and and uh, florida state i mean you got you got these guys putting out you know hype videos that in uh texas that we're going to stay here. We're, you know, it's the it's the best time in the world to be a Seminole. It's the best time in the world to be a Duck, and best time in the world to be a Longhorn. I'm like, well, why are we doing this? Like, I, this is hilarious to me. I, I just sat back and laughed at those. Those are funny. Yeah, 
like I, I said, think, I don't think Norvell and Sark really had were ever in the conversation. I, the only reports I saw was that, like you said, DeBoer was the number one number one choice, but that Lanning was in conversation. But I never saw anything about Sark or, or uh, Norvell even being in conversation. No, I mean, I think those were the names people thought made logical sense from the outside looking in. And, again, I think this is just the master class this was by Jimmy Sexton, who kind of floated those names in the media. They got people like me and you talking. And then Texas and, and Florida State felt the, the need because Norvell got some major extension. I think Sark is going to get an extension. I'm sure Lanning's got one in the works, too. Um, you know, it was to get the schools to, to pony up some more money. And, uh, you know, I mean, it, it's it's just Jimmy Sexton pulling pulling the string the strings here. Uh, you mentioned that the staff for DeBoer, he's bringing his offensive coordinator, it appears, Ryan Grubb with him. And we saw, obviously, Washington put up a ton of points uh, this year, which will be interesting to see um, how that kind of factors in the SEC. Um, big exodus in the portal as uh, Washington players and a couple of Alabama players as well head for the draft or the portal following Kalen DeBoer's departure. It'll be a whole new world for Washington next season. Will Rogers, who had originally committed to join Washington in the portal, he's back in the portal Washington has named their new head coach. Arizona's Jed Fish is uh, making the move to Seattle. As recently as two weeks ago, he was working on an extension at Arizona, but Brett McMurphy said a new deal was, quote-unquote, not a priority. So now Jed Fish will be the guy who leads Washington into the Big Ten, and uh, he's going to have his work cut out for him at trying to kind of at least restock the cupboard because, I mean, you're talking Penix, and those three receivers are gone. Several of their key defenders are gone. You're talking about your head coach. You're talking about the offensive coordinator. Um, it's going to be almost ground zero for Washington uh, going into the Big Ten. Yeah, and, you know, the, the promising thing if you're a Husky fan is that he won at Arizona, uh, and you've got a lot better resources and opportunities at Washington. So I think he'll I think he'll be successful there, but I do think it's going to take him some time to, to really turn it over and flip that thing around. I mean, he's, he's lost a ton from this team that made the, the national championship run this year. Yeah, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be interesting. Blake Corum and JJ McCarthy uh, headline several Michigan players that have now declared for the NFL draft. That kind of points toward a likely Harbaugh exit, like everyone's kind of been thinking. Uh, coveted Washington State quarterback who is in the portal, Cam Ward, originally declared for the NFL draft. He's backed off of that and is committing to Miami uh, for 2024. Quinshawn Judkins is headed for Ohio State. Alabama transfer wide receiver. Isaiah Bond heads to Texas. And then this one broke this morning, Jordan, I thought was uh, fascinating. Jim Harbaugh apparently is seeking firing immunity in a possible new contract with Michigan. He wants immunity from whatever the NCAA might find in their ongoing investigations. That is quite a thing to ask for in any contract, not just the NFL or college football, but immunity from firing. If, if you get proven that you were cheating, Woo! I don't, I don't envy the guy. What does that, that, what does that tell you? That he was in, he knows. In fact, there's something out there. Something's you know? out there. Yeah. I, what it is, I don't know. But <clears throat> this guy's, he's a, he's a different cat. That's all I'll say. He, yes, he is. Uh, he's interesting. Any of the, the any of those other notes and transfer moves kind of stick out to you, Jordan? Uh, I mean, the main thing for me is, you know, the. Once I saw J.J. McCarthy declare, I was like, Harbaugh's gone because, you know, I felt like J.J. McCarthy wouldn't run it back with him. <clears throat> and I think that, 
you know, Harbaugh doesn't want to have to go through a complete, you know, change at running back and quarterback, which I think they they're, they're running back that had the big game, the national championship. His name's slipping me. I think he's coming back. But um, the main thing is um, I just don't think Harbaugh wants to have to go through that with Michigan again. This is their best chance, and they want it, so I think he'll move on. Yeah. Certainly has teams. I mean, it doesn't seem like there's anything else left for him to do in uh, in Michigan now. So yeah, I would think I would think the time is is right to move on. Uh, NCAA basketball this weekend. Not going to dig in too much to this, but uh, buckle up for March. Thirteen teams in the top twenty-five lost a game last week to unranked unranked opponents. Um, wide open, it seems like is the national championship hunt in college basketball. College basketball. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's going to make for a, a fun march again, you know, similar to football, college football because of the you know, NIL and the portal. This, the parity in college sports is just unbelievable. So it's going to make for a fun uh, NCAA tournament. No doubt. Let's take a break. We'll come back. We'll get into the NFL's Super Wild Card Weekend after this on the Tri-State Sports Program, brought to you by Tyson Foods in Obion County and the Hawks Nest. Northwest Tennessee and Western Kentucky, it's time for a career change, and we know the perfect place for you. Tyson Foods in Obion County. Tyson Foods is hiring, and it's easy to apply. Just stop by and see the friendly staff at the Tyson Foods Hiring Center in Union City. Tyson is currently hiring for general production and many other positions, and they are looking to fill all shifts. Come see the team at the Tyson Hiring Center, located off Real Foot Avenue in Union City. The Hiring Center is open Monday through Friday from 8 to 5. Come be a part of the Tyson team. Tyson Foods is an equal opportunity employer, including disability and veterans. on the Tri-State Sports Program presented by the Hawks Nest and Tyson Foods in O'Brien County. Super Wild Card Weekend is in the books. We have had quite a, an interesting weekend. Two games uh, on each of the three days of the three-day weekend. It wasn't really how it was supposed to go, but it's how it all played out because of just the entire country apparently going through an Arctic surge. And uh, Jordan, it was kind of a dud of a Super Wild Card Weekend. Five of the six games decided by double digits. Yeah. Yeah, it was – I was hoping for a little bit more than that. But, you know, it, it was fun to watch some of these games. I mean, that Lions-Rams game, I know we'll get to that, was probably my favorite of, of them all. But, um, yeah, it, some these score lines, they just – they weren't that great. Hoping for a better division around. Yes, very very much so. Uh, the Texans started off the Saturday with a throttling of the Browns as C.J. Stroud – Man, he looks ready for the moment in the playoffs. He goes nuts. Two pick sixes from Joe Flacco ends the magic for him. And uh, it was all Texans pretty much from about midway through the third quarter and on. So they move on. Do you buy that the Texans could be some kind of a threat here, Jordan? Because they looked awful good. I know it's the Browns, but uh, they uh, – hey, That Browns defense has been good, man. Yeah, so, they I mean, shredded the fact- yeah, the fact that they did that, yeah, I mean, I think they, I mean, I think they can make a run. They're a red hot team right now, and and CJ Stroud's playing with a ton of confidence. Uh, the nightcap was uh, even less entertaining, other than the cold, the fourth coldest playoff game on record, uh, as the Chiefs kind of stifled the Dolphins twenty six to seven. They got the Dolphins got one revenge touchdown from Tyreek Hill. Uh, but that was pretty much all they could do. The Chiefs' offense and Mahomes kind of had a struggle to move it themselves, but they did enough, and their defense continues to be kind of the calling card of this team. Um, and, it, you know, Jordan, honestly, 
ever since everyone, all of us looked at the forecast going into that game, we kind of felt like it was going to be Kansas City's game anyway. The Dolphins' record, especially two is in the cold, is abysmal. And, uh, I mean, they just – I hate to be – I know this sounds wrong and just mean, but, like, the Dolphins look soft. I mean, they, oh, yeah. they just – they did not look like they wanted to tackle, didn't want to hit anybody. I mean, it just seemed like the cold just totally uh, made them crumble in, in the moment. Yeah, they didn't want anything to do with the physical physicality of that game. And it was obviously brutally cold. And like you said, I mean, the moving forward, the Dolphins are pretty much going to have to win the division, probably have one of the top seeds so that they have home field advantage to the playoffs to have a chance. Because when they have to go on the road in the cold in the playoffs, man, they really struggle. Yeah. Do you think – did anything about what Kansas City showed you change your thoughts on uh, can, we, can we trust this team to perhaps make a run still? They are the defending champions, but – Boy, even I mean, even in that game, Miko Hardman is dropping what should have been surefire big gains or touchdowns. I mean, it just I mean that offense is still not in sync. No, I'm still gonna stand on what I said. I don't think they have enough this year, man. They just don't look complete. I don't like I said the other night, it still wasn't that impressive. I mean, it was a good win, but they didn't have to do I mean, it was their defense to me that they really showed the most out of everybody on either side of the ball. It was, to me, it was more the defense. Moving on to Sunday's game in the climate-controlled Jerry World. And it is in typical Dallas Cowboys fashion. We get to the playoffs, and Dallas melts down. Green Bay absolutely destroying the Cowboys 48-32. to It wasn't even that close. It was 27 to nothing before uh, Dallas could even get on the board. And really, Green Bay not threatened much after that. Jordan Love went for 272, three touchdowns. Aaron Jones added three more touchdowns as Mike McCarthy's old team just absolutely humiliates uh, the Dallas Cowboys at home. Um, wow. I mean, this was, I mean, it's the first win ever for a seven seed since they expanded the playoffs. Um, I mean, if you're a Cowboys fan, I cannot imagine what goes through your mind watching this game. Um, Mike McCarthy out. Uh, I mean, because this that performance was just disgusting in so many ways on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, it was. I mean, I think the Cowboys, um, I guess this time of year, it's, it's kind of like it feels like more like a uh, movie or like some Hollywood act or something. They got to show up and just put, you know, put on this big performance. I mean, it's it's I, I would hate to play for Dallas I mean, with the eyeballs that are on you and you know, the pressure. Um, and it's almost like that the moment was too big. They just folded. I mean, everybody everybody knew they were the better team on paper. Um, they just came out, and, and once Green Bay got started, they, they let them have it. And, you know, got to give Green Bay credit. The way Jordan loves playing is, is pretty remarkable. I don't think it was all Dak the other day. Obviously, he struggled early. Um, but, you know, Dak doesn't play defense. Dak didn't give up 48 points. So, I mean, that, that's some of it as well. Like I said, I don't think Dak played the best game. Um, but the Cowboys need to look in the mirror at a lot of things. And because I think something has to happen, I think that's why McCarthy will end up being fired. Um, just because if they don't do something, if Jerry doesn't do something, there'll be a lot of people talking about him. Yeah, I mean, th- we just do this every year. I mean, it was – I mean, yeah. Jimmy, Johnson, Jimmy Johnson's out there saying this is the best team they've had since the 90s. And then Jimmy Johnson's at halftime is trying to give him a halftime speech. <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, it was so bad on so many levels. And even, I mean, you know, Dak throws the two picks and – one of them was a pick six, I think, and the other one might as well have been. I mean, they just were backbreaking in the in the time. And that defense, 
I mean, Jordan Love made mincemeat of that defense. Uh, and so our, our, our good friend Mike Hutchins was uh, was very happy. I, I was texting back and forth with him. He said, you know, Aaron Jones running the ball. He said, that that's, you know, Aaron Jones being able to run the football as well as he did, you know, opens up so much. And uh, uh, he, Doesn't he average over 100 against Dallas and he's from that area, I think? Yes, he, I, I saw something. They showed a graphic during the game that – he averages the most rushing yards against the Cowboys than any other player. I mean, it's just it, – it's it's remarkable. I mean, Aaron Jones and the Cowboys, it is just a tale as old as time, apparently. Uh, Sunday night, we got the one competitive game of the weekend, and what a story it was. I was, you know, I was actually hardcore cheering for the Lions in this one, man, so I was happy they were able to get it done. They beat the Rams 24-23 for their first playoff win since 19 19- 91, they looked just unstoppable offensively in the first half, but then really slowed down in the second half. Puka Nakua, another record-setting performance for him, set the rookie record for receiving yards in a playoff game with 181. Um, The Rams really kind of picked up some steam in the second half. Detroit made a couple of big stops to uh, keep them out of the end zone, but Jordan, I really felt like Multiple times the, the Rams are on the move, and I'm thinking, oh, man, this is going to be brutal. Matthew Stafford's going to throw the winning touchdown pass. It's going to rip the hearts out of this Detroit, uh, you know, this Detroit fan base that's so energized, that showed up in such force. And, uh, man, credit to Dan Campbell and what they built. I mean, that, that was a great scene to see, and just to see what it meant uh, to Detroit, that first playoff win since before you and I were born. Um, I mean, that, that was really cool to watch on Sunday night. Yeah, I was definitely pulling for um, the Lions as well going in. You know, my prediction for Super Bowl was the Lions and the Ravens is still intact after a week here. Obviously, the Ravens didn't play, but hoping that uh, hoping I can be correct there. But I, I was all I was all on the Lions board until they started booing Matt Stafford. I was like, come on now! I mean, everything yeah. he got poured everything he had into that that you know franchise. I don't understand why you're booing him, but. Anyway, I mean, there's a lot of folks that had a pretty good time before they walked into the stadium, so they were probably feeling a different kind of way before it kicked off, as they should, because it's been a long time since Detroit has obviously been in the mix and hosted a home playoff game. So this was a fun game to watch. Um, you know, this is obviously the best game of the weekend, and uh, credit Detroit. And, man, I hope they can keep it going. they got a favorable matchup again this week. Yes, they do. Uh, they get to host it again uh, as the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers will come calling uh, this week on Monday, it was the Bills all over the Steelers, 31-17. Buffalo jumped up 24-0. They held off a, a second-half Steelers push to advance. A um, little shaky there in the second half for Buffalo, but uh, all in all, they just keep finding ways to win right now despite some major injuries defensively. And you know, Josh Allen just looks ready to go. I mean, and and he looks primed for another run. And they get to host Kansas City. Uh, this coming weekend, but what were your impressions of this game, Jordan? Yeah, I mean, the Bills haven't lost, I think, since Thanksgiving weekend, so they've been the, the hottest team uh, here, one of the hottest teams down the stretch. Uh, I thought Josh Allen looked well. I mean, again, the Steelers fought back into it with Rudolph and uh, that defense, but still not able to slow down uh, Josh Allen. He made some big plays on his feet as well. Uh, I think the biggest thing for the Bills is that they, have, you know, they're going to be at home again, you know, and, and, They've had to always go on the road to play Kansas City, and so it's going to be a big factor, uh, at least in the playoffs. It's going to be a big factor uh, for Buffalo to be at home to host that game. But it, this was a great game by the Bills, and, I mean, they're, they're really getting it going in the passing game and the running game at their time. Well, and then a team who has started red hot and has completed their collapse, 
Tampa Bay dominates Philadelphia in the nightcap, 32-9. Baker Mayfield and the Bucs playing some really good football right now. The Eagles, again, just fall on their face. They have finished the year 1-6. I mean, my goodness, what on earth happened in Philly? Do you think Nick Sirianni is in trouble in Philadelphia? I don't think so because it's only been a year since they made the Super Bowl run. Uh, they'll try to blame it somewhere else. The um, fact that A.J. Brown didn't travel, obviously people saying he's been a locker room cancer. Um, maybe the Titans knew something when they traded him. I'm trying to make myself feel better here. Um, but, uh, I mean, you look at this team with the talent they have, they should have never collapsed the way they did down the stretch. And I really hate it, especially for guys like Jason Kelsey, who obviously a big fan of. But you saw, uh, I mean, Jalen Hurts on the sideline on the bench, man. I mean, he just looks defeated. It just looked like there was nothing working. Um, I mean, really – they were in empty. I don't know. I don't know where you watched the game. I watched the Manning cast watching it, but you know they were in empty a lot uh, with Jalen Hurts and and the Bucks were just bringing the house and I mean they were screaming for them to get out of empty because they had nobody to help Hurts and he just didn't nail it and they didn't change anything. So the Bucks just kept doing it. So that was really the difference in the game. The adjustments are really not there down the stretch of the season for the Eagles and they got a lot of a lot of questions to ask going into the off season. They uh when when you get stopped from the one yard line on the tush push, you know it's not going well. Um, yeah. y- you know it's just it's bad. And that's when you thought they had some confidence and they had scored, and that was going to be a two point play right there. If they get that, they get the ball coming out of half two, down you know like sixteen to eleven. I think would have been the score then. You'd have yeah. felt better. You'd have felt better about that. But man, I mean, it just it was a mess and. Uh, <laughs> I, I, a friend of mine that's an Eagles fan is basically calling for everyone's heads this morning. I mean, he they are just so so over it uh, after just the way everything went down. And I saw, you know, Bill Barnwell from ESPN even pointed out, you know, they went and got all these these guys who were quotable, you know, stars. They went and traded for Kevin Byard. They signed Shaq Leonard, and, and they there was one other name he mentioned, and we just said, you know, big names don't equal success, and uh, because these three guys really didn't give them much. Um, nope down the stretch and so um yeah philly mercifully uh, the, the season comes to an end we've got two we've got two or uh, four divisional games set up for saturday and sunday this coming weekend houston goes to baltimore at 3 30 on espn on saturday while green bay is at san francisco at 7 15 on fox what stands out to you from those two games jordan yeah, I mean, can C.J. Stroud go hand-in-hand with what Lamar Jackson is going to do offensively? I mean, obviously Baltimore's a heavy favorite here, but Houston's been red-hot offensively, so really watching the uh, the battle between the two quarterbacks there. <clears throat> in Green Bay and San Francisco, if Jordan Love, can can he stay red-hot against a really good 49er defense? Uh, and then, you know, what effect does having a week off have on the Ravens and the 49ers? That's something else I'm watching. Do yep. they start flat? Do they give these – do they give the Packers and the Texans an opportunity to get going? That that could be a big thing to watch as well on Saturday. That's always something to keep an eye on when you have these first-round buys. I can't tell you how many times during the Peyton Manning era as a Colts fan, I've watched them fall flat on their face after having that bye week. Um, so it always is a concern. And so Baltimore defensively, though, like you said, can they stop a red-hot C.J. Stroud in San Francisco? Can they stop a red-hot Jordan Love? The other side is, is too – how healthy is San Francisco? They had some injuries. Christian McCaffrey had kind of gotten banged up a little bit toward the end of the year. Is he going to be ready to go uh, on on su- Sunday night? That's going to be an interesting thing to keep an eye on 
uh, moving forward. On Sunday, Tampa Bay goes to Detroit, 2 o'clock on NBC. And Kansas City is at Buffalo at 5.30 on CBS. The first playoff meeting from the Bills and the Chiefs since the epic divisional round game they played a couple of years ago. And a chance at a rematch here. This time the Bills are hosting it. What do you make of the Sunday games? Yeah, I mean, that Tampa Bay-Detroit game to me is up in the air. Obviously, the Lions are going to be favorite, but, you know, Baker Mayfield finds a way to get them to the NFC Championship. I mean, come on, man. Who, yeah. who would have who would had that in their bingo card a year ago? Uh, that would be – that's gonna. I think that's going to be the better uh, – I don't want to say the better of the two games because Buffalo-Kansas City is obviously going to be good. But I do think Tampa Bay-Detroit and Kansas City-Buffalo will be the two better of the four next uh, – yeah. this coming weekend. Um, yeah. So I think Sunday is going to be a better day uh, for football. I expect both of those games to be close. I can't wait to watch Josh Allen host Patrick Mahomes in the playoff. For the first time, you know, the crowd's going to be cl- uh, quiet when he has the football. He's got his home crowd. Um, I'm, I'm just ready to watch that one. Well, and it's funny. I saw this morning on Twitter someone said, the, only, the reason the Bills get to host is because of the, the infamous Kadarius Tony offsides. Yep, that that whole controversy, and that's why Kansas City now has to go on the road to Buffalo. What what a play to kind of settle that. Going to be absolutely. fun to watch. Go ahead. No, I was gonna say absolutely. That that's that, that being the deciding factor. You know, that's something to watch in the rematch. Yeah. Let's take a break. We'll come back. We'll wrap up the show with the stock market after this on the Tri-State Sports Program presented by the Hawks Nest and Tyson Foods in Ohio County. If you're looking for a place to sit back, relax, and have some fun, check out the Hawk's Nest in Martin. Each week, they have weekly specials including $2 tacos on Tuesday, both beef and chicken. Also on Wednesday, check out the best wings in Weekly County with 50-cent wings at the Hawk's Nest. Thursday, karaoke and also deals on pizza and many other food items. Also on Friday and Saturday night, be sure to check out live music, DJs, karaoke, and more. And don't forget, folks, they're open on Sunday, so be sure to stop by and support your favorite teams as all the games will be on the tune at the Hawk's Nest. 105 Church Street in Martin. Northwest Tennessee and Western Kentucky, it's time for a career change, and we know the perfect place for you. Tyson Foods in Obion County. Tyson Foods is hiring, and it's easy to apply. Just stop by and see the friendly staff at the Tyson Foods Hiring Center in Union City. Tyson is currently hiring for general production and many other positions, and they are looking to fill all shifts. Come see the team at the Tyson Hiring Center, located off Real Foot Avenue in Union City. The Hiring Center is open Monday through Friday from 8 to 5. Come be a part of the Tyson team. Tyson Foods is an equal opportunity employer, including disability and veterans. Final segment of the show today on the Tri-State Sports Program presented by Tyson Foods in Ohio County and the Hawks Nest as we go into the stock market with several different football things to discuss and it has been a heavy football show here today. Uh, in the NFL, let's go there first. Bill Belichick, buy or sell that Bill Belichick can be the remedy for the Cowboys if they fire Mike McCarthy and lead da- lead Dallas to a Super Bowl, the head coach is not the problem in Dallas. So I'll sell this. Huh. It's Jerry Jones. Jones. I was about to say, is it Jerry Jones? Is that where you're it's going Jerry with that? Jones. <laughs> just, man, it's just it's just a it's just a feel there. Like it's I don't know. It's, with Jerry, I don't know. I just don't think they're they'll ever get over the hump to win a Super Bowl. Maybe Belichick could take them further, maybe a conference championship, but. I don't see him winning the Super Bowl, even if they hire Bill. So, by yourself, Mike McCarthy's getting fired. Think so? Mm. I think some. I think, like I said, I think something's got to happen. So, I'll buy it. I think it's. I think it's more likely than not. I don't know where they go. 
But I think Mike McCarthy's. I, I, I mean, because I, you know, I think it was Schefter had put out that everybody had known all year that the regular season was essentially a moot point for McCarthy. It was a matter of what does he do in the playoffs, and that effort they put out on the field in the playoffs on Sunday was a disaster. Um, that's just it's not a good look. Uh, by herself, the Dolphins are too soft for postseason success right now. That is uh, kind of the narrative on them right now. Uh, I think more factors in the fact of it's just not their their elements. Um, this, that, that just doesn't fit into Miami Dolphins football team having to do go play what they did in Kansas City. So because of that, not being ready for the moment, I guess, and the weather and whatever, I don't think anybody really can be ready for that. But I don't think they're ready right now to make that push. So I will uh, I'll buy this. So what do you think is the next step for them? How do, how do they continue to improve? Well, I mean, I think number one, they've got to they've got to get deeper, um, especially defensively. I mean, I, I don't feel like they were that great at times. They relied heavily on their offense to just outscore people throughout the season, uh, hoping they could put up forty points a game. Which obviously, in a game like the other night, that's not going to happen. Um, so I think it, it starts on the defensive side and, and getting better there. Yeah, I just think new quarterback. I mean, you got to you got to look at two as well. Yeah. I mean, I think Tua is developing this reputation of a one-read quarterback, and I Sunday or Saturday night kind of gave you more credibility to that end. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot that's got to be cleaned up in Miami. A lot that's got to be addressed. They've got to get more physical. They've got to be able to run the ball more. As my cousins, our friend, always says, you got to be able to run the ball in the postseason. Um, and their running game is essentially disappeared. Um, you know, I know Raheem Mostert and Devon Achan had had such great years, but uh, they were I mean, just totally absent from the moment uh, Saturday night. Max Crosby, who has said he would request a trade if Antonio Pierce is not the head coach, Max Crosby will be traded in the offseason by herself. I think Pierce gets it, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sell this. I just – the Raiders have this history of – Hiring guys from outside. I mean, you know, we did this dance last time with, I think it was the, the Rich Bisaccia guy or whatever, who was the interim guy that took him to the playoffs, and then they went a different direction with uh, uh, Josh McDaniel, and it was a debacle. Um, I could really see this happening. I'll go ahead and buy. I, I, I do think Max Crosby could could force his way out in, uh, in, the, in uh, Las Vegas. In college football. Alabama's win total for 2024 is currently nine and a half. Do you buy 10 wins for Kalen DeBoer in 2024 at Alabama? I haven't even seen this win total, and I'm proud of myself. I said nine to 10 is what I figured they would be at, and it's right in the middle. So um, I'm going to sell because I'm a Tennessee fan. I think they win nine. Okay. Do you think that's enough to get them into the CFP? Because, you know, like we talked about, nine and three, 10 and two. Is going to be good enough for some places now to get you. Being in the SEC, they'll have a good argument at nine and three if they lose to good teams. They lose yeah. to Georgia, say so they lose the game in September to Georgia. Uh, I think Tennessee's projected being the top twelve to fifteen. They lose. They lose at Neyland, Um, just because obviously we want that to happen. Um, I mean, those those are things that you still have a good argument. So, will it be enough to get them in? If it does, maybe as a ten through twelve. I mean, it's if Alabama's nine and three, and two of their losses are teams in the top top ten, top twelve. Yeah, I mean, and I'm not, I'm not even thinking of the third loss right now. I don't know who that could be. I haven't looked at their schedule, but yeah, I mean, they, 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 play Texas. Maybe. they have Texas. Uh, uh, let's see. 
semifinals. I think they play Texas next year. So, I mean, there's going to be some losses there that, I mean, some games there. If you lose, you still have a good argument. So, let's see here. They open with Western Kentucky, USF. They go to Wisconsin, Georgia at home, at Vandy, South Carolina at home, at Tennessee, Missouri at home, at LSU, Mercer uh, at home, Oklahoma. They go to Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Uh, yeah, because they played Texas this year. Yeah. Yeah. Lost so over. they go at Oklahoma on November 23rd and then Auburn at home on November 30th. I think they'll have to win 10 to get in listening to that. But if you lose to Tennessee and Georgia, you probably still have a good opportunity. Yeah. Uh, last one. We all are pretty much in agreement. We talked about it last week. Jim Harbaugh moving on to the NFL. We all pretty much think that's a foregone conclusion. So whenever that happens, buy or sell that Michigan will not promote Sharon Moore as Jim Harbaugh's replacement, but will hire from outside. This is a really hard one. Um, I think it makes sense, but I don't think that I don't think they'll hire him. So I'll buy this. I'll buy that they do not promote him. Why do you think he's not the guy? I don't know that he's not the guy, in my opinion. Um, but similar to what you were talking about with the Raiders, it just feels like the Michigan's going to go outside to get that next splash hire. I don't think they're just going to promote a coordinator. I've heard some Brian Kelly rumblings. If you know, if, if Harbaugh leaves, so I guess that's my main reasoning for that. If Harbaugh does leave, here's a wild thing to think about. Three of the four teams in the college football playoff this year will have new head coaches going into 2024. That is wild. That is wild. That is crazy to think about. I'll tell you another wild stat that I don't know if you've seen it. I've seen it to you earlier, which you've probably seen it. But uh, the the last time Nick Saban won a national championship, um, the OC and DC at Indiana are now on the staff at Alabama. Oh, Oh, I knew DeBoer. I didn't realize the D.C. Yeah. would get Indiana, too. Yeah. That's crazy. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That is wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to do it for our show today. For myself, John Thornton, for Jordan Taylor, uh, we'll have Sports 731 uh, basketball coverage for you, we think, on Friday. But, uh, again, uh, Mother Nature may have other ideas. So just uh, keep an eye on social media. Keep an eye on the forecast. Uh, thanks for bearing with us as we're snowed in at home. Hope all of you are safe. You have power. You have heat and uh, that you stay warm. That's going to do it for our show today. Good morning and God bless from the Tri-State Sports Program presented by the Hawks Nest and Tyson Foods in O'Brien County.